This is the day that the Lord has made. service to receive our way in again on page three with confession and absolution, followed by the sharing of peace and the procession of the Let us rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins. Let us kneel and be seated in the confession of sin. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Moses, merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I love you and I, and I love you and I, and I We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We just deserve the present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Almighty God, in mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a call and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us rise and share the peace of the Lord.
through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We can see the reading of our lessons from God's Holy Word.
and singing the Alleluia verse. Run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. 
They knew to receive a perishable rank, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box in one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now there's two kind of big words in there that I want to go over with you real quick. The word, the first one is perishable. Does anyone know what that means? Perishable. Maybe you've seen it on packages before. So if you get like a carton of milk, if you leave it out of the fridge, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's going to go bad, you know, smelly and rotten, right? And even if you leave a carton of milk in the fridge, after a certain amount of time, it's still going to go bad. And so perishable just means it's something that doesn't last forever. It's going to go bad, right? Alright, so that's that first word I went over. The second one is imperishable. Imperishable. If perishable means it's not going to go bad, it's going to last forever, or not going to last forever, what do you think imperishable means? Yeah, it's going to last forever. And Paul's talking about a prize here, this, this wreath. Uh, it's another prize that um, in the Olympic Games you get out wreaths instead of medals. And that was what they would wear on their head. He's talking about a prize that's going to last forever. And guess what? This is a prize that has already been won for us and given to you in your baptism. That's the prize of eternal life. Now, it's easy, right, in this world to get distracted by shiny medals and trophies, right? Maybe you win cool prizes in your classroom for doing well. But sometimes we forget about the real prize, the real prize ahead, and that's eternal life. And guess what? We're already living in that new life that you receive through your baptism. And does anyone know who already won that prize for us? Who won that? That's right, Tessa. Jesus won that prize for us. Now I'm going to read one more passage for you because it talks just about that. And it's from Hebrews chapter 12. And it also talks about running, so it connects with our first Corinthians a lot. So, this is Hebrews chapter 12, it's the first few verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. On the cross, Jesus died, and then he rose again. He won that prize of eternal life for you, for me, for everyone. And in your baptism, you were buried in Christ, and you have risen again with him, and now live in that new life. So that's what I wanted to remind you guys of today. And when you get distracted by all those shiny trophies and medals, those are great things here on earth, but are they going to last forever? No. Jesus has given us that prize of eternal life already, so let's cling to that. Let's take hold of that. Let's go ahead and pray together. Hold our hands. You can repeat after me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son. To endure, to endure the cross, so that we might receive the crown of eternal life. 
Continue with the sermon in Hail to the Lord's Anointed on page 12.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, we learned about Jesus' first day on the job in his mission field. We heard about how on a Sabbath day in Capernaum, Jesus was found teaching with authority in the synagogue and healing a man with an unclean spirit. By doing this, Jesus showed his divine rule over all creation, including Satan and his minions. Pastor Judd preached about how every word that comes from our Lord's mouth has authority, especially to forgive sins. In our gospel reading for today, we hear more about the power Jesus has to heal many people from illnesses and demonic turmoil. Jesus had to do a little bit more work as Lord of the Sabbath. After Jesus preaches and sends out the unclean spirit, he leaves the synagogue and enters the house of his first called disciples, Simon and Andrew. Much happens in the next two verses. In 30, Simon's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. But in 31, she is not. What happened that caused this immediate change? The text only says Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left. All Jesus had to do was touch her, and her body was healed. And not just healed a little bit, completely. The words recorded after she is revived is not, she rested a while before she began to serve them. No. It says she got up and began to serve them. Her sickness vanished. It was as if she was never sick to begin with. <clears throat> Unlike the commands that Jesus shouted at the unclean spirit in the previous verses, here Jesus' commands are even effective when he does not speak. This is because he is the word himself. And that word has authority over all the earth. Having this authority does not make Jesus a tyrant or an unjust ruler. Instead, it means that he carries the responsibility of everyone. As Lord of the Sabbath, it is his job to provide all daily bread and means and to heal the sick. By healing Simon's mother-in-law, Jesus displays to his disciples that he's not only able, but willing to complete, completely heal those who need a physician. In verse 32, Mark gives us a timestamp of Jesus even working overtime. He says, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. In the Jewish calendar, the days begin and end at sundown. This time marker shows that the Sabbath day was now over, and since it was against temple law for Jews to walk any further than 2,000 cubits, or about a half a mile on the day of rest, everyone waited until nighttime to bring all of their family members that were sick or oppressed by demons. Jesus healed them. And he continued to work after a long first day on the job. He did not rest, and he did not complain. He gave help to those who needed it. 
Could you imagine being Simon, Andrew, James, and John? And what were they thinking after they witnessed everything that their new teacher was doing? They were obviously amazed and excited to be following Jesus because after the next few verses, it says that they stayed with Jesus until morning. After Jesus woke up and went quiet to a quiet place to pray, his disciples told him, everyone is looking for you. But instead of going back for an encore and taking in the praise and glory from the people of Capernaum, he tells his disciples that they must go on to the surrounding cities to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. That must have been a shocking moment for the disciples. What other teacher can do these things? What man do you know that can do as much as little as touch a person and all their sicknesses are taken away? What man do you know that can command demons and leave those who are possessed? And even if someone else had the power to do these things, would they be able to do it freely and willingly? As Jesus did. The disciples are probably confused as to why Jesus did not go back and advertise himself and receive the credit. But that is not how Jesus works. Jesus works where faith is, not popularity. He himself gives himself freely to everyone out of love and compassion. These actions of Jesus are not only confusing to his close disciples, but to many people today as well. Do you know a doctor that can heal any sickness on the spot? If so, tell me who he is. I would love to meet him. Do you know anyone capable of being humble and willing like Jesus is? I can't. Yet a big concern we have is why is there still sickness? It is a stumbling block to reason why bad things happen. After all, didn't God say that he would be with us always? Doesn't he promise strength and health to those who believe in him? He does. But the answer to the question why bad things happen is so simple. It makes people angry. And I don't think that the anger has anything to do because of the simplicity of the answer, but because bad things do not happen because of God. The answer is sin, and that is our fault. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot live a life free from sin. We are not capable of being humble and pure of heart. We are stuck in a state of sickness where there is no escape. That is, unless someone who is free from sin, pure and humble, gives us his perfect life freely and willingly. Jesus is the elixir to life. His blood is completely poured out and his body is brutally given on that cross, which unlocks the gate of sin and opens for us eternal life. He does not rest until the work of salvation is complete. He goes to the cross without complaining. He does this willingly for you.
you are now free from sin, death, and hell. Your spirit is revived and is willing to serve the Lord just as Simon's mother-in-law did. But we must still live in a world affected by sin. It seems unfair, but just as Jesus moved on to the next city after, being, after healing many in Capernaum, he was, we as the church are also instructed to do the same thing. There are many people in this world who haven't heard about Jesus Christ. There are many people who still deny that Jesus comes to us by the means of grace. These people need to hear that they are set free from the bondage of sin through Christ's death and resurrection. God established his church on earth so that these lost souls can be found and brought into his fold. He leaves us here until the resurrection so that there is time, a time of grace for people to repent and believe that Christ the crucified worked, works on our behalf so that all illnesses of sin vanish from us. Just like many cannot understand the, that the simple answer as to why bad things happen in this world is sin, they also cannot wrap their head around the simplicity of how God delivers salvation from the cross to us. Pride and sinfulness causes doubt when trying to understand how God provides his assurance, his assurance through his sacraments. But Jesus, who is God, tells us that this, the church, is the place. Jesus established it in this way. Your pastor is under God's authority to bring you forgiveness. Just as Pastor Judd said last week, it is not the pastor who forgives, but God who uses him as a vessel to provide forgiveness. These are the teachings of Christ, and he gave them to his disciples, and now he gives them to us. It may seem confusing, but a man who is healing the sick has power over demons, preaching with authority, and then gives up his perfect life so that you and I can live eternally, then why should we doubt his word that baptism now saves? Why should we be concerned of drinking a cup that Christ says that his perfect blood is in it? We shouldn't be afraid because God himself promises to be there. Faith does not come from the words of complicated men. It comes from the simplicity of God's word. When a person finally receives faith and is baptized by the Holy Spirit in the font, no longer does that soul latch on to sin or the sicknesses of this world. Instead of being pummeled by the fear of Satan's grasp, they hear their saving physician's voice, and their soul sings a similar song to that of the intro wit for today. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. 
Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Jesus healed you. You are made complete again in the work of his life, death, and resurrection. You have been made set free from the everlasting illness of sin. This is a bigger and better gift than being healed of any physical sickness in this sinful world. You have been made free. Free indeed. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our great physician. Amen. Let us rise together as we confess our faith in the creed of the, of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son. In Him, being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, the angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
and preserve you in true faith of the life everlasting. Depart in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Amen.